is living worthy of the gospel. And so we'll be in Philippians. And uh, before I read our next scripture, I uh, just want to say that uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to you here. I hope it's not too repetitive. Um, it, the message is based on something very similar to an exhortation I gave a few weeks ago. Um, hopefully we can dig in a little bit deeper and hopefully repetition doesn't hurt when it comes to the gospel either. So um, I am a little bit nervous to be speaking to you. For our visitors, I'm not the uh, typical speaker, but uh, I'll try to get out of the way of the scriptures and hopefully we can uh, glean something worthwhile together. So I want to read from Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. To provide a little bit of context, this is the Apostle Paul writing to people who lived in the ancient city of Philippi in Macedonia. These were real people, real Christians who were struggling uh, to live lives worthy of the gospel as we do today. Uh, I want to focus on that phrase, uh, worthy of the gospel of Christ. And it says in this version, in this translation, a manner of life. This manner of life, or it may say conduct, but it applies to citizenship, our identity. So that goes for them the same as it goes for us. Let your way of life, your identity, your citizenship be worthy of the gospel. And it helped me a little bit to understand how this may have fell on their ears because the people of Philippi were uh, living in a city that was known as kind of a miniature Rome. They had a strong sense of loyalty to Rome uh, and a strong sense of their citizenship. And they were governed by Roman military officers and it was a very prosperous city. So they might have been tempted to take a lot of pride in that earthly citizenship. But here they're being told to think of their citizenship in a more spiritual way, a citizenship worthy of the gospel. Um, the next question that I ask myself when I read this is, is it possible to, work, to live worthy, to walk worthy, to have a conduct or citizenship worthy of the gospel, worthy of God? What, what does that really mean? Uh, that seems on first read to be a very daunting task, and I think it is, but it's not impossible. Um, and what it doesn't say, it doesn't say, let your conduct be so good, let your citizenship be so good that you deserve the gospel of salvation. That's not what it's saying. Um, that would be a bleak interpretation because we could never live up to that, and it goes against the whole message of the gospel anyway. Uh, it'd be in contrast, the complete opposite of the gospel, which is that Despite our failings, the gospel says that we can be saved in Jesus. I'll read from Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, 
for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom, put, whom God put forward as propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. So to be worthy of, of this message, this gospel, this good news, is not to merit it. It's not to be good enough for it. For we've all sinned and fallen short. That's not the point. But to be worthy is to be suitable. It's to be equal in weight. And that weight that's on our souls, that's on how we live our lives, was a weight that Jesus put on our lives through his sacrifice. It's not something that we earn. So to live a life with a weight that is suitable for the gospel is what we're called to. Um, with you know the grace and the seriousness of the gospel, uh, the way I thought of it was kind of a silly example. Maybe this can help you a little bit. But if if someone's invited, if if I'm invited to to be a guest at the Nobel Prize banquet, I didn't win anything, but I'm there to to observe. Um, I would try to dress and act in a manner that's worthy of the occasion, but that doesn't mean that. I'm worthy of the prize or the event that's going on, but I should still conduct myself in a way that's appropriate for the occasion. Well, we're not, we can't live up to the gospel itself. We can't live like Jesus lived, but we certainly can live lives that are cognizant of what he did and have that in mind. So a citizenship, an identity worthy of the gospel is a high calling, but it's not a self-righteous calling. So, again, to further understand what it's like, what it means to have an identity, a citizenship worthy of the gospel, we'll think about what the gospel is. Well, the gospel means good news. It's word. It's, it's a message. Um, it's good news about the salvation and the peace that's found in the kingdom of God. There's that citizenship in the kingdom of God brought through Jesus Christ. And a powerful attribute of the gospel is that it is word. It's the word of life. It's a message. And the essence of the gospel is truth. It's infallible. So what does it mean to live worthy of an infallible truth, an infallible word? How do we live our life with respect to the word of life? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And again, this is Paul speaking, writing to the same Philippians, the same uh, people, real Christians, telling them to hold fast. It means to hold tight to the word of life. Their measure of success, how Paul was measuring success for them, was how tightly they held on to the word of life. Um, it, he measured it by their grip on the word. So living worthy of the gospel, having a citizenship, an identity worthy of the gospel, is valuing its truth in the way that we live our lives by believing it, believing that truth, and allowing it to change our lives where it needs to, to transform our lives, to guide our lives. That's a citizenship that obeys the laws of the gospel. 
As we continue to consider that the gospel is word, uh, we recognize that the word is uh, the greatest source of power by which God acted. It's how God exerted his power to create. I'm not going to read each of these verses, but these are just a few attributes of word, of the word of God and their char- and its characteristics. And again, keeping in mind that we're called to be worthy of this gospel, this word. Word is the source of life. It gives our feet a place to stand. It makes us free. It's how Jesus washes us. It discerns our heart. It's how we're born again. It's how we get growth after we're born again. It provides growth. And we even are able to reflect part of the image of God by God granting us the ability to, to use words. We're able to pray. We're able to teach. We're able to uh, read His Word to others. And he, he created us with Word. He created everything with Word. And He allows us to use that as well. Um, power is in the Word. It reveals truth. And, and, and that's the Gospel. It also sanctifies us. So, to live worthy of the gospel is to live according to the word of truth. Um, and our obstacle to that is, is lies. It's Satan. And Satan is called the father of lies. He's our adversary. And that's, that's how we are often uh, deceived into living lives that aren't worthy of the gospel. Uh, in John chapter 8, verses 43 through 45, um, Prior to this, Jesus was disputing with the Pharisees. He was disputing with these self-righteous people uh, who were putting confidence in their own conduct. They were uh, trying to or saw themselves as worthy in the, in the sense of merit, not in the true sense of the word. And Jesus was disputing with these men who wouldn't believe him. And he says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear my word, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire, desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. To lie is, is to twist words. It's to twist the goodness of the gospel of what God has granted. Um, and Satan does this to us all the time. It's the, way, the weapon that he uses to convince us to live lives that aren't worthy of the gospel, aren't worthy of the truth, the true word. Uh, we can be convinced by lies uh, so easily sometimes in the way that we're living. We can tell ourselves, oh, such and such. To do this wouldn't be too bad. Uh, it's not as bad as you know, something else or someone else. Um, or, you know, I'm too busy to do this good thing or, you know, it wouldn't have worked out if I did this good deed anyway or, or tried to help this per- person. It wouldn't have been worthwhile. We can be convinced by the devil of those lies um, that turn us aside from living lives that would be worthy of the gospel if we would listen to the truth rather than the twisted word of lies. And that's not a life that's worthy of the gospel. So no matter how Satan may convince us of a lie or or twist the truth, um, one attribute of the true word of the gospel is that it doesn't depend on how it's perceived. So a belief that 
we ha hold or anyone holds that's not according to the truth, no matter how sincerely we feel that, uh, it doesn't give life the way the true gospel does. So the gospel is a message, it's a word, um, it's good news, but it's not an empty word, it's not an empty message. The, the power of the gospel is who, whom the gospel is about. The gospel is a message about a person. The gospel is a message about Jesus. And that's what we're called to live worthy of. It's good news, but it's good news about God in the flesh living in such a way that we could have redemption. And we'll go back to the scripture reading that we read earlier that summarizes some, some of the strongest points of the gospel message, I believe. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that as the name of so at so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So a call for conduct that's worthy of the gospel is to live worthy of what Jesus did, what's described here, who let go of the glory of heaven, who didn't hold on to that, didn't count it something to be grasped. He came to earth. He, despite being God, endured persecution, endured torture, emotional and physical distress beyond what I think anyone here may be able to imagine, certainly beyond what I can imagine. Um, all while withholding the, the power that he would have had to escape that situation, willingly giving himself, suffering that for you and for me. And that's what we're called to live worthy of. Um, again, I have uh, a, a small example of, that kind of helped me a little bit think through this. Um, you can imagine if someone you knew was having some really hard times, maybe uh, they couldn't keep a job, they're missing rent payments, uh, and maybe they made some bad decisions to get to that place, but uh, you believe in them. You believe that if you could help them out a little bit, get them back on their feet, that they'd, they'd turn things around. So you let them live in your home. Uh, maybe you even give them a job in hopes that they can, they can turn it around if they can you know, have a place to live and a steady income for a little while. But instead of turning their life around, they steal from your company, they trash your house, they throw you know, trash all over your, your floor, they don't clean up after themselves, and they, you know, they trash your name at work. And that's, to a far greater extent, what we do to Jesus when we decide not to live worthy of the gift that he's given to us. Uh, he lived a perfect life so that we could have the chance to turn our lives around, 
and live worthy of him. And he demonstrated his value for your soul, for my soul, by dying for us. He placed worth on us. And how we live in response to that uh, says how we think of Jesus. So living worthy of the gospel says something, answers the question, what do you think of Jesus? What do I think of Jesus? We can look at the example of Paul as well, I believe. Everything that Paul did, he framed around the gospel. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, this is again Paul writing to these same Philippians. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Here, Paul says he counts all things as loss because of Christ. He suffered many things uh, in order to live worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's the same thing that we're called to do. Um, he gave up his physical aspirations. He gave up his high standing within the society of the time. Um, would we think that that was a little bit extreme if we worked with or if we worshiped with Paul. Uh, you could imagine maybe a CEO of a company resigning and just, you know, becoming a cashier because his job interferes with being a servant. Would we think that that's a bit extreme? Um, would we think it was extreme of Paul to be running all over the world uh, he was often at the center of riots. He was getting arrested. We think, oh, I don't think that's exactly what the gospel means. That's not really what we need to be doing, um, getting arrested uh, at the center of riots. Is living a life worthy of Jesus too much for me? Is it too much for you? Uh, we need to consider if that's how we view it. Living worthy of Jesus really flips our notion of life upside down. Um, in this passage that we read earlier, it says that suffering is granted. It says in 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. To think of suffering as something that's granted is not uh, normal according to the world standards, uh, but that is the life worthy of the gospel. And Satan works really hard to, th to make us think, to make me think that something less is worthy. He twists the word like we talked about before. He offers a lot of alternatives to measure our worthiness, to, worthiness against. We can consider philosophy or self-help that we might measure our, our worthiness against. Um, 
we could even compare ourselves to others, and that's not the standard. We could even compare ourselves to other Christians, and that's also not the standard of worthiness. Um, or we, we may look at what's normal, and what's normal is actually just what's common, and we know that what's common is not the standard either. Um, so I ask you to think about living your life worthy of the gospel, what it means to live, to have a citizenship, an identity that's cognizant of what Jesus did for you, cognizant of the truth of the word, looking to the truth of the word as the standard for your, for your behavior, for my behavior and actions. Think about what the gospel is and ask yourself, what do you think of Jesus? Because you're answering that question. I'm answering that question every day by how I live. Um, and that's the measure of worthiness. It's, it's Jesus. It's his word. And if I think about the degree to which my life centers around conduct worthy of the gospel, I know that there's things that I need to work on. Um, and perhaps you can identify things as well. Um, this lesson wasn't intended to identify those specific aspects of my life or your life necessarily, but to get us to all think about what's in our hearts, what's in our lives that we may need to change. And that's the call to action is, is to change when you recognize that. Um, if you've never uh, begun your walk or even tried to live worthy of the gospel, uh, don't leave here without starting that either. You, you've heard the word. Um, if you need to hear more, there's plenty of people who are willing to, to read the word with you, to look to God's word of truth um, and, and believe that. And when you measure yourself against that word, like all of us, many of us have, we find ourselves falling short and we recognize that we need to repent. But we also see the good message of Jesus that if we repent, if we confess him as our Lord and are baptized, we can be washed through his word, through the gospel, through Christ's perfect life and sacrifice, and we can be saved. Um, if you need to do anything, don't leave here without doing it. As We can stand and sing at this time.